Hey everyone, welcome to the Gate Alliance Church. We're so glad you could join us for this week's podcast. If you have any questions or want to learn how you can be more engaged in our church, check us out online at thegatechurch.ca. Thanks for listening and enjoy this week's podcast. Hey, did you see, I think it was like 20 years ago, 21 years ago, that movie called The Perfect Storm. Uh, the film talks about the story of the Andrea Gale, a commercial fishing vessel that was lost at sea and all the hands on, on deck were lost at sea when they were caught in this perfect storm back in 1991. Now, a perfect storm, I'm going to read what it is. And there's a multi-syllable word in here I will stumble with, and I'll call on Dave to help me. I, as you know, I have trouble with multi-syllable words. A perfect storm is a meteorological, <laughs> thumbs up from Dave, event aggregated by a rare combination of circumstances. The perfect storm requires a confluence of three different weather-related phenomena. 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 <laughs> When, when combined, created what is known as the perfect situation to generate the perfect storm. So those three things required for perfect storm are these. Warm air flow from a low pressure system coming from one direction. A flow of cool air and dry air generated by high pressure from another direction. And then thirdly, a tropical moisture provided by a tropical storm or hurricane. So, you know, that's the perfect storm. These three things that, that don't happen. I mean, it happens so rarely, but that's why they call it perfect, come together and all chaos breaks out. If a perfect storm is the combination of these three particular elements, then I would say that the perfect peace is also a combination of particular element, elements as well. And we find these elements uh, for peace, the perfect peace in Philippians 4, 6, and 9. Let's read it one more time, the final time. It says this, do not worry. Don't worry about anything. Don't be anxious for anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace, listen, will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts. That's the focus part on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice. See, this is important. This isn't just theory. This isn't just classroom. This isn't just hypothetical. This is putting into practice all you learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing. And here's the consequence if we do that. Then the God of peace will be with you. Because storms will come, you know, and storms, all of us are going to face trouble. All of us will face storms. Everyone faces trouble. The difference is some will go through troubles and be distressed. And others will go through these troubles and come out with peace. And though we, feel, we face the same sort of troubles, there are different outcomes because some are guided by the turmoil and some are guarded by the peace of God. Either you're guided by turmoil or guarded by the peace of God. And we've been going through this series and, and we understand the difference. That what happens is some of us will depend and choose to focus on God, put our faith in God, and others will focus and put faith on the threat of the storm. What, wherever you choose is going to determine the outcome in your life. So in this final message from the Anxious for Nothing series, we're going to once again, we're going to see a storm and see how Jesus focusing on him, putting our faith in him matters and makes the difference. 
And the storm we're looking at today is found in Mark chapter 4, verses 35 and 41, which I read earlier. It's one of my favorite passages to preach on because it's so relevant. It's so practical. We learn so much about um, trouble and storms and peace. So we're going to look at this passage, I think, in a few different parts. I want to begin right in the middle of it, right where the storm comes. This is what we read in Mark 4, 37, 38. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves are breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, shouting, teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? So these fishermen, these are, many of these are fishermen. They're used to being out in the boat. They're used to storms, but this was such a fierce storm that they panicked. Glenda asked our life group this past week, have you ever wondered why the Bible talks a lot about storms, right? You think about it. Um, Noah faced a storm. Um, Sodom and Gomorrah faced a storm. Uh, the plagues of Egypt had a storm. Jonah faced a storm. Jesus walking out on the water, which we looked at in a storm. And I'm going to come back to this question at the very end and talk about that. But for now, let's look at the storm in Mark chapter 4. You see, before the storm and after the storm, there's peace. But in the middle, there is turmoil, enough that would cause these disciples who were fishermen to panic. And what I would like to do is invite you today to put yourself in that boat with the disciples. I want you to hear and feel the wind pushing against your body. Hearing it is so loud that you must shout to get Jesus's attention. I want you to hear and feel the waves crashing up against the boat, water filling in all around you. You feel you're, you're drenched and you have no peace. And then I want you to notice during this turmoil, during this storm, there's Jesus asleep in the boat. And does he seem troubled? Not whatsoever. He's asleep. He has no cause for worry. Is he aware of the storm? Of course he's aware. But he's at peace because he's got this. He's in control. He knows this. But the disciples will need to learn this truth today. So you find yourself, you're in this boat. There's a storm. You feel threatened. You're panicked. And there's Jesus at peace in the boat. And you find yourself in a moment of contrast, right? I mean, on the one hand, you see the storm. You feel the storm, which threatens you, which causes you to panic. On the other hand, you see Jesus who is calm and at peace. And for you and the disciples, this is a watershed moment. Where will I put my focus? Where will I place my confidence there right now? Will it be in the storm or in the peace of Jesus? Will it be in the chaos or peace? And you see both, you feel both, and you, and, and like you understand, okay, will I let this determine and influence my life, or will I allow this to determine and influence my life? Well, we know the disciples chose to focus on the threat of the storm. And we find ourselves in the very same sort of circumstances still today. I see the storm, I feel the storm that I'm facing, but I know Jesus is here with me and he's at peace. 
I know God promises he is with me in the storm and he's not rattled by the storm. He's at peace and he promises to guard me with his peace we read this morning, even in the storm. So what do I choose? The storm or Jesus? Chaos or peace? Where will I place my focus on the storm or Jesus? Where will I place my confidence in the storm and what it can do and Jesus, what he's able to do? Fact is, we cannot control storms. We cannot prevent storms. But we have a choice in how we will respond in them. When the unwelcome storm comes, we can choose to respond either with fear or faith. But you can't do both because you can't both trust God in faith and then doubt him in fear. Let's turn our attention for a moment to what happened before the storm. This is the middle. This, this is uh, right during the storm. Let's, let's go back a little bit to the beginning and find out what's happening in Mark chapter 4. It actually begins with Jesus doing some teaching and we read that he taught them by telling many stories in the form of parables. So these are the disciples and others who have gathered. Jesus, Jesus begins by teaching this gathered crowd and his disciples. We read about the parable of the farmer scattering seed. And here Jesus proclaims how the same truth and word is revealed to all people, to many people, but not everybody chooses favorably to the word and the promises of God. Jesus said it's just like a farmer sowing seed. Not all the seed takes root for various reasons. Though I'll hear the word of truth, not all will who hear will grow and become productive and fruitful, he says. And one of the reasons people hear the word but don't produce fruit is because what Jesus says here in verse 7, some seed fell, so the word fall, fell in the weeds. And as it came up, it was strangled among the weeds and nothing came of it. And this is how I see worry and anxiety working in our life. We have received these great promises and hope from the Lord, but worry acts like weeds and wants to come up and choke us and strangle us from it becoming productive in our life, the peace of God. They choke us and strangle us to the point where no fruit is produced, where these truths and promises are not realized because we allow the weeds of worry to constrict us. Later, Jesus says in his disciples in verse 18, he said, the seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by what? The worries of this life, the lure of wealth and the desire for other things. So no fruit is produced. So no fruit is produced. We need to take note of that because we want fruit to be produced in our life. Then Jesus continues after the parable of the farmer sowing seed. He talks about the parable of the lamp in Mark chapter 4. He says, would anyone light a lamp and then put it under a basket or under a bed? Of course not. A lamp is placed on a stand where its light will shine. And I see like worry and anxiety acting like this bull that we receive this light, which the dark world needs, but our worry acts like a bull that wants to cover it and keep it right to ourselves. And not let it shine out in the dark world. Worry can restrict us. It keeps us, it keeps us focusing on my trouble, my problems, our, my concerns. And it prevents me from being a light in a world which has so much darkness. We are called to be light in a dark world. We are called to bear fruits in a barren land. And then Jesus teaches further about the parable of the growing seed. 
And then he teaches about the parable of the mustard seed, how it can grow and become, he says, the largest of all garden plants. It grows long branches and birds make nests in its shades. So Jesus, he's telling his followers, he's telling his disciples that people can find rest and provision and help and light in your faith in him. But the weeds and the bulls prevent us from being used by God for God in the lives of others. Why this is important is because something happens, you see, when we begin to look beyond myself and my storm and my troubles, and we begin to see others around us and the needs they have. Because what happens then is that worry decreases and peace increases. When we're able to help people that where we receive no benefit, except we are loving God and loving others as ourself. Even the world studies recognizes this. I remember reading a, a, a research study on depression where they found when people start focusing not on their own troubles, but focusing on helping others, that the depression would dissipate and lessen and even disappear and worry dis- de- decreased and peace increased in their lives. So from these teachings, Jesus and the disciples, they, they launch out into this boat, right? Onto the Sea of Galilee. But then this fierce storm comes up. And how will the disciples who just came from the classroom, learning all these lessons, how will they respond? When the storm hit, they became worried. They're filled with anxiety. And even though Jesus is right there with them, they believe they're going to drown and they're going to die. You say, God, don't you care? Don't you even care? Jesus gets up. He calms the storm. After teaching all these truths, all these parables, Jesus now has a question for them. He asks them, why are you so afraid? Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? One of the scripture texts we've been focusing on throughout this series is where Jesus makes this declaration. He says, I tell you all these things. I'm teaching all these things so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. I'm here this morning to tell you that your faith will not keep you from experiencing storms. But I am here to tell you that when you focus on Jesus, when you place your faith in him, the storms will never overtake you. They will jilt you and scare you, but they will not overtake you. The storms will threaten you, choke you, but they'll never overcome you. Why? Because Jesus has overcome the world. Heaven is full of people who would even would today testify to that truth. Even death had no victory. Paul said, death, where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? It's not there. Jesus has overcome it. When the disciples failed to do was hear and trust in the promises and the truth of the Lord. As they began this journey across the Sea of Galilee, Jesus proclaimed something at the very beginning, and we miss it. The disciples missed it, and this is what we missed. Verse 35, this is the beginning of the journey. This is what Jesus declared and proclaimed. Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. We, we, we skip that. We forget that. We, we just take that as if nobody, he's, he's making a declaration here. Jesus is not saying, let's go halfway and tread water. Jesus is not saying to his disciples, let's go halfway and drown today. The Lord of Lord, the God of the universe, Jesus declares, let's cross. We're going to the other side today, guys. He didn't tell them a storm was coming. 
but he knew they would get across. That's why we need to hear and trust the promises God gives us, like the one he gives us here when we want to be anxious that we've been looking at all through this series. He says, don't worry. Don't be anxious about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for what he does, what he has done. Then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we understand. His peace will what? Guard your hearts. It becomes like a garrison around you, a fortress around you. And guard your minds as you live and focus and put your faith in Christ Jesus. That's his promise to you. So Mark chapter 4 begins with this Jesus teaching truth. He teaches about how we can be thankful, uh, how we can be fruitful in a barren land, to be light in a dark world. And then the disciples find themselves in a position where they are in a faith crisis. This is not a classroom anymore. This is real life, and it's not just theory. A real storm is threatening their real lives, and they fail. But they learn and experience the power of Jesus firsthand. Jesus gets up and calms the storm, and they declare even the wind and and the waves obey him. Now that's Mark chapter 4. Look what happens in Mark chapter 5. After going through Mark chapter 4, after going through the classroom, going through the storm and learning who Jesus is, where they can trust him, even in the storms, they experience ministry. The ministry of being productive, the ministry of being productive seed in barren ground, the ministry of being light in the darkness. For right beginning of Mark chapter 5, after going through all this, they encounter and Jesus heals a demon-possessed man. And then right after that, in Mark chapter 5, Jesus heals in response to the faith of Jairus, heals his daughter who, who has faith in Christ, who's focusing on him. See, that's where we want to get that. We want to get beyond just my storm to where I have peace and trust in Christ, that he may use me to minister to others. And when we're, being, uh, when we're reaching out, we, we are being the good seed, we are being the light, and worry seems to decrease, and peace begins to increase. out here in the prayer garden of our church in the courtyard of our building it's such a wonderful beautiful place to be but you know it takes work to get it to look this way uh, we have volunteers like joanne and isabel and keith and and wendy who work out here to make this place a place of contentment a place you want to be in Last time I was out here was at the beginning of this series five weeks ago. It's been five weeks since we started this Anxious for Nothing series. And I want, I want to tell you, back then there was grass growing in places we did not want it to grow. And there are weeds overwhelming the garden bushes and plants. And I remember standing before this one garden area. And you, know, you want to see the beauty of the, of the garden bushes and plants where the weeds were just drawing my attention away from the beauty of the garden plants and bushes there. It wanted me to only focus on the ugly. The thing is, when you start removing weeds, you're better able to see the beauty that's standing right there before you and all around you. You know, I feel like weeds are a lot like the worry and anxiety in our life. I feel when we allow worry and anxiety to dominate our life, we, we lose sight of the beauty standing all around us. The beauty is there, but we miss it because we're focusing on these weeds and ugliness and it chokes us and it discourages us. They make us feel like we'll never know 
beauty and peace again. Weeds are like trouble. And as the trouble increases and as they multiply, we want to define our lives by the troubles we have and are experiencing. And the trouble consumes us. It's, it's all we can see. And, and as they add up and as they grow, they become like that perfect storm. And we feel like there's going to be no rest, no peace or beauty again. But we've heard more than once during this series, Jesus coming to us and saying these words. And this is truth. This is what the Lord God who created all of this. This is what he says to you. He says, I told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Everything he tells us that we would know and want to follow so we can have peace. And he says, here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart because I have overcome the world. And so we hear him say these words and we focus on him. The one who's in control. The one who has overcome the world. The rock that never moves. We focus. We keep our focus on him. And the focus on God means you're not focusing on the storm and the trouble all around you. It's there, but the Bible says God's peace protects you. It guards you. That's what we read in our prescription in Philippians chapter 4. To focus on God means we are seeing others as well that God puts around us. It takes the focus off my trouble and upon the beauty of lives of others. I believe our enemy loves to get us in a storm because it causes us to see our trouble and our problems and our mess and our stress. And as a result, we miss out on the opportunities to see others and how we can love them and help them and lift them up in the name of the Lord. I always say when the trouble passes, when I, when I get it all together, then I'll reach out and love and be a servant for God. But right now, all I can see, all I can focus on is me and the trouble I have. And we allow weeds to grow up. And we allow them to choke us and rob us from one of the most powerful ways we can overcome anxiety and worry. And that is to help others, to love others in the name of Jesus. If the enemy can keep us so consumed by our worry, he never has to fear about you influencing others for the kingdom's work, for God's work. When all we see is worry and trouble, we will not see others around us through the eyes of Jesus. We just see our, ourselves and our trouble. And the tragedy is really is because this is where a lot of the healing begins for our anxiety and worrying. When we take the focus off us and we put it on God and others, as the weeds are taken out, it's like taking the weeds out. And as we take those weeds out, as we minister to others and love others, suddenly we realize we are standing in a place of beauty and contentment. The weeds begin to die and the beauty increases. During this time of meeting together for Church Online, we have been using the skit guys uh, and their videos. And they do such a great job, don't they? Uh, they often make us laugh and sometimes even tear up a little bit. But they're always having us focus on the truth from God's Word. I was watching this video they did this week, which is based on a real person in Eddie James's life. Eddie is the, the handsomely bald fella of the skit guys. And he tells a story of a friend that he knew since he was about seven and how she was always seeing others through the eyes of Christ and always wondering, how can I love this person in the name of Jesus? Moving uh, video, and I hope you get the message um, that we can trust in God. As we trust in him, we're free to serve others. I asked at the beginning of the message, did, where Glenda asked our life group, 
Uh, did you ever notice how many storms were in the Bible? And there are many storms. Why is that? Because I think all of us relate to storms. Over the course of time, even in biblical times, Noah faced a storm, but he escaped. Why? Because he put his focus and faith in God. We know that Lot faced the storm of Sodom and Gomorrah and where fire came down and, and sulfur, but he escaped because he put his faith and focus in the Lord. The plagues of Egypt, death came to all except those who placed blood over their doorposts because they trusted in God to save them, and he did. Jonah tried to run away from God, and a storm came up until he realized that I must repent and follow God, and the storm ceased. Jesus walking out in the water in a storm, we've been looking at this. Peter comes out of the boat. As long as he focuses on Jesus, he does the impossible. He walks on water. But when he focuses on the storm, he begins to sink. Would you take these two minutes and ask God what he wants you to know from this teaching today, from these stories and these teachings that he gives us in your life, how it applies to your life today. Would you listen? Father, in these two minutes, visit us in a very powerful way to where we are living today. For we are tempted many times to focus on the storm, even though you are with us and you are at peace. Lord, um, if we need and where we need, direct our attention to you and to focus and believe in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We make these messages available to give you a window into our church, but also an open gate for you to join in with our community. Our Sunday service is at 10 a.m., and we look forward to seeing you soon. And know that there is a place for you at The Gate. Please remember to visit thegatechurch.ca for more information about our church.